Movers, shakers, makers. What makes creative people tick and how do they find and develop their inspiration? Welcome to the podcast that draws back the curtain on the inventive mind and its artistic process. I'm Emma Lister. Born in Ghana and raised in the UK, actor Rhoda Oforiata trained at the Oxford School of Drama. She has appeared on television shows such as The Bill, Grown Ups, a reoccurring role on Coronation Street, also Silent Witness, Doctors and Informer, all on the BBC, among many others. Her big screen credits include Tulip Fever and Nowhere Special, an upcoming feature directed by the full Monty's Uberto Pasolini. Rhoda can currently be seen playing Miss Griffiths in the critically acclaimed new series of Top Boy on Netflix. In 2019, she was selected by the British Academy of Film and Television for their prestigious Elevate program, which we will explain a bit more about in our chat. Rhoda was nominated for this podcast by our past interviewee, Sita Patel, the first link in a chain of artist interviews. You can hear Sita's interview in episode two of this season. I started by asking Rhoda, who trained as a pharmacist before going to drama school, whether it's a coincidence that she's often cast as a healthcare professional, as she is in Coronation Street, Informer, or Cold Feet, or whether her training gave her a certain gravitas in the roles or indeed in those auditions. I think it is interesting that I've played those parts. I don't know whether it's a subconscious decision from the casting people that people of color tend to do those sorts of jobs or whether yeah there is something within me that sort of maybe nurturing element um caring element that all those individuals all those jobs need to have um that comes through in my auditions maybe while you were doing your your pharmacy degree was was acting something um, that you had stepped away from to go to university or was it something that you had kept kind of bubbling along? Oh yeah, definitely, because I joined um, the new theatre, it's called the new theatre at Nottingham, um, so it was their like theatre group for the university and I joined that, I think, um, maybe my second year. Uh, I don't think I tried tried out for it in my first year yeah, it's always a love. Acting has always been, or and performing in the arts has always been a love throughout, like, um, secondary school. And, yeah, so it definitely wasn't something that I put on the back burner. I kind of did it as a hobby through the new theatre at university and then just made a decision after university to apply to drama schools and see, yeah, what happened. Yeah. Was there... Was there um... I love kind of like moments when people have a small realization, even if that's maybe a romantic thought, but was there maybe a performance you did with the new theater or was there a moment where you kind of realized that um, you needed to go down a different path? Yeah, I think I distinctly remember a play that I was doing, Play it Against Sam, um, by Woody Allen. I mean, maybe should be Woody, do Woody Allen stuff. <laughs> <laughs> different times yeah, yeah yeah different times then but I just I remember being in a scene with my co-star Ben Ward he's now uh, a director and he's he's a great director but I, t- I tell you this guy was a fantastic actor really really gifted 
And I just remember being in a scene with him and just having this sort of out-of-body experience, like sort of looking on it and thinking, oh, this makes sense to to be doing this. This isn't just for fun. Um, this, I really, like, this is means more. It triggers something deeper and there's a connection between Ben and I and I was just really enjoying it. Even when you asked the question, I'm definitely a very visual person, that just the scene just popped up in my head, me and him on the sofa and and um, looking at a stain on the wall. <laughs> uh, and just like, I think I get this thing called acting and I really, yeah. really enjoy it. So yeah, yeah, definitely. It, yeah, it, that moment made sense. It's like, this feels like something that I need to see through. Yeah. Was that a show or was it a rehearsal? It was a show. So, we, yeah, it was a, a play. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, I had so much fun. So much fun. And I played a lead part, like Dan Keaton's role in the film. Yeah, it just felt right. It was so much fun. Yeah. So then you went to Oxford School of Drama. And what was that like? Were they concentrating more on theatre or did they do film and television work as well? I think it was more geared towards like stage work. I, well, I think the fundamentals of probably all drama schools, I don't know, I'm making an assumption here, is sort of like stage work. I know some cater a lot, like Alra do lots of screen stuff. Um, and ours was like Stanislavski teaching methodology that we did. But yeah, and we did do some screen stuff, but it wasn't... But then acting is acting, right? So it's... To me, it's 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 not about necessary. I think with screen, it helps because you're sort of modifying what you're doing for an audience that is closer. So the camera is your audience. And it's just about, I feel like an adaptation of your your presence and... Like projection? Yeah, projection, yeah. Your projection. Your projection, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It, it's those things that need adapting and adjusting in the different mediums as opposed to necessarily the the work your work ethic and it's the same for both stage film radio um you know whatever you're doing so yeah it's just adapting for the different mediums i'd like to ask you about uh, one particular um character um i'm going to set it up a little bit in case people haven't been exposed to the the show top boy so um i think it was previously on channel four but now it's on netflix it's quite an unusual show in that it's about a drugs-based gang, but I think it's unusual because it really does expose the social inequities these characters are living in. It foregrounds female characters. Um, I was really like often surprised by the show when I watched it. I think it's probably tricked a few people who've tuned in to watch like a cool gangster show into watching like a pretty searing commentary on British culture because there's cramped council flats, there's drug-dealing kids, there are heartless immigration officers um and the storyline that you're involved in uh is for me one of the most moving uh it's a single mother who's um i'm pretty sure she's an undocumented worker and she's lost her job and her young son is slowly getting pulled into gang life is like an incidental casualty to her basically having nowhere to turn you play the boy's teacher miss griffiths um and you're really trying to help there's some heavy beats i think to that storyline um and I wondered how you formed the character and like what kind of research you had to do. Um, well, I did actually do some work on um, 
because I've never been a teacher. <laughs> so I did like interview a few of my friends who are teachers, especially those that teach that year seven year group. So I think how I work, if it's a role or a job that I have no idea about, then I definitely will try. I, I try and fill in the gaps of things that I don't know about the character, either uh, using your imagination or actually going like resource. There's lots of resources out there and I have friends that were teachers. So so that helped. And then the immigration stuff, I've had friends that have worked in immigration. So I asked them about that situation and yeah, to just to, to connect with um, a teacher that goes into the job because she's passionate about it and she generally believes in whatever kid um, walks through her door and sees potential in every kid. And it's just understanding that that level of compassion and that drive in in your job. Because um, I don't being a teacher as as an, somebody looking in is not an easy job. <laughs> it really is. No, no. And I think people that do it, I take my hat off to them. Uh, especially in inner city schools, I think. I think it's I think it can be quite tough especially from the feedback that I get from from friends. And so that takes a lot of your energy, your time and your like tenacity. You um there's one scene in particular when when you're helping him uh do his laundry at school. Um and you're asking, you know, if if he has enough money for lunch and there's just um there's so many things going on in a brief amount of time on your face. Like I feel the warmth and the sympathy you have for this kid, but at the same time, the the professional barrier of how much you can you can do to help. Um, I'd congratulate you on that scene because I found it very moving. Um, I wondered if you do you have a, a teacher who is particularly inspirational for you? Do you know what I I I do actually. I thought about this. This woman popped up into my head the other day. I really liked. Um, was she a missus or a miss? I think she was married. Mrs. Dawson. I really... She was my physics teacher. I really liked her. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I really... I really enjoy... Even though I lo- loved the arts, I loved... Um, I did. I do like my science. And I really like physics. I think it's a beautiful subject. <laughs> and um, And I just... Yeah, she just made physics... I want to use the word easy. It's not easy, by the way. <laughs> but just like straightforward like uh, understandable yeah. and um and she has she had a warmth <laughs> probably was yeah. uh, was a tricky might have been a tricky customer at times let's let's talk a little bit about BAFTA Elevate um so from what I've read it's designed to support people from underrepresented groups in film and television progress in their careers and to help tackle of issues of diversity in the industry as a whole um so each year a small group from uh, a selected field are selected and in 2019 it was actors what what kind of things happen in the program in terms of professional development so it's been really wonderful we've had like um they do round tables um with um professionals in the industry like like directors for example, mm. we've had Carrie Fukunaga, which is incredible. Dexter Fletcher, which is amazing, and 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 Shane Meadows. I mean, we've 
so you know there 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 are a few of plenty that we've had we also have like one-to-ones with individuals that we we'd like to meet and we've also had before covid happened we had like networking events in the room so we got to meet a range of casting directors that some some people i'd never met before which was really fantastic um and also workshops that for example stuff about pr and media that been in, incredibly helpful mm-hmm. um and like wellness stuff so yeah there's there's a, a range and it's brilliant that it's like it, it's tailored to help our growth and sort of give us exposure and help us ad- advance within the industry mm-hmm Mm-hmm. This is, I think, the third year or so, maybe second or third year of the program, um, because in the last five years, you know, uh, the entertainment industry has really been rocked by a lot of campaigns like Oscar So White, Me Too, Time's Up, um, a big call for more female directors and showrunners, um, and certainly the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Science, which is uh, responsible for, you know, the Oscars. They've tried to diversify their voting membership. And I think BAFTA has also responded by introducing diversity standards that need to be met in a few categories. And the Elevate program seems to be also a response to, to some of those, those factors. Um, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you or some of the other participants may have faced um, in the industry. For me personally, um, I guess it's that, because I've been doing this for a while. So when I first left drama school, I moved to London because I grew up in Yorkshire. So I think I struggled with a lot of the black parts being very, and maybe sometimes still is, very London-centric. Mm. Um, I guess maybe because you live in London, they assume you are from London, but I, I, my experience isn't, I'm not a Londoner, so it's, uh, there aren't, or they just didn't maybe see me for loads of Northern stuff or, uh, yeah, so it was like, because they try to fit you into a box, don't they? So it makes it easier to sort of send you along to castings and things. Um, But also I found that that in in general there aren't necessarily the roles for black actresses in terms of the lead roles or the great supporting roles. Uh, hence, maybe ending up doing loads of nurse roles. <laughs> um, yeah. And a few liner roles. Yeah, you know, there's a real lack of risk-taking, I think, sometimes within the mm. industry. And yeah, and why can't the the black... Um, a black woman play the love interest and the lead love interest or it it just rarely happened or a really good supporting role it rarely it just Mm -hmm. it rarely happened um but it's so that that those that that definitely were two major challenges I think entering in the industry that I found Mm. I was going to say, especially going from, you know, I'm thinking of, of your moment of realization playing the Diane Keaton part in Play It Again, Sam. You know, 
why 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 does it have to be a Diane Keaton type doing doing that role in a movie you know yeah absolutely in my head when I was at university in my head anyone can play anything like if they're good right if you're if you suit the part Mm. why does it you know like automatically your brain goes to Caucasian as the as a love interest or the lead Mm. in something Mm. like and also and also like to play doctors of yeah their brain goes to Caucasian but actually if you've ever worked in a hospital have you seen how diverse the hospital is yeah. and it, it's not yeah. just yeah. you know um, black women just being the nurses that you know they're the Asian doctors there are black, black doctors I mean I just find it just just rubbish really it's um it's not even a lack of imagination it's like lack of being in touch with how diverse the world is and and even if some people say, yeah, but it's cause, because you live in London and that's, you know, that's why it's diverse, but the rest of the country doesn't look like that. But we should, as an art form, have better representation on our screens because that, you know, this is a medium that lots of people watch. And I think it's important to educate people, especially those that don't come across maybe... Um, oh. I mean, even like the terms ethnic minority, I hate, you know, you hate using mm-hmm. hate these terms or pe- people of colour. I absolutely hate it because it just already you've, we've, you know, you're, segre- you're you're segregating people. But you, it's important for people to see British people, people all over the world, to see disabled people on their on their screens, to see people of colour on their screens, mm-hmm. even though I hate that word, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to see pregnant women on their screens, to see why, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, why does it have to be, I don't know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, and do, you, do you feel like it's, there's been a sea change since, since Time's Up and Oscar So White? Do you, do you feel there's any, there's traction? Do you feel things are changing? Yeah, I do. And I think, Maybe it's because some people are taking back the power and they're creating their own work. I mean, I'm going to give a shout out to Michaela Cole. Um, I don't know if you've watched I May Destroy You. But this is a woman that's writing about her experience growing up in London. I've never seen so many black people. I've never seen that before. And it's, and it it's not jarring. It's not like I'm watching it and thinking, oh, that's just, that's not, mm-hmm. it is believable because that, that does, you know, it, you know, the, it's believable. Like, and mm-hmm. also she's just, she's written really interesting, well-rounded characters. You've got female lead, you've got female supporter, you've got females all over the place, which is wonderful. And that's how it should be. <laughs> so, you know, it's a mix, it's a, it's a, mixed cast that represents uh, a mixed community which is what London is it's a it's Mm -hmm. just the fact that that she's written something so brilliant that it's it's full you know it's full of diversity but it's her life it represents her experience and that's wonderful and 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 that's the thing we need more stories about everyone's experience not just the thin slice of middle class um, England, you know, um, that doesn't allow the the influx of re- regions, different regions, different accents, 
different upbringings, different classes. Yeah, we. so, you know, it's not about me necessarily. Yeah, I, no, I am championing more people of colour writing stuff and for <laughs> channels to be seeking out that work. But mm-hmm. it's it's about all sorts of stories that aren't just the same old, same old, the same old writers, the same old people creating it. It's it's because, you know, their their work is, is kind of dull. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, it's no. all right after a fashion, but after a while, I don't want to watch another, I'm not going to say, but I don't want to watch another X because I know exactly what, because they don't, most of the time they don't surprise you. <laughs> True. And there, there's such amazing voices out there. It's a bit heartbreaking that you think that there'd be some incredible like writer directors who've been missed out over decades, basically of the old boys club. Um, uh, you know, I, I do think there are, from what I can see, I do see different voices coming up more, but again, this 2020 BAFTA film is very disappointing in the acting category, it was completely white again. Um, it's something that actually got a lot of press this year um, and no female directors. Um, but TV nominations in the BAFTAs, they, they actually do seem to be more diverse. Are we getting something more right on TV than we do on film? I think, I, I feel like I have no idea who the voters are, I guess, in terms of the mm. film awards. I don't know, in terms of representation, what that looks like. Um, how many women? How many people of color? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, on you mean the the the, peop- the people voting for for the nominees? I don't know what that looks like. So, it might yeah. be an issue that might be a starting point to look at. But I know that BAFTA are definitely doing their own investigation. That um, and they definitely want to want to be at the forefront of changing that. And that's what mm-hmm. that's one of the things I love about BAFTA that they're all for change, um, yeah. especially if something doesn't sit right within this, you know, within within this industry. Was there a piece of art that you might have seen or read or listened to that changed everything? I watched a lot of French films growing up. I really, I, I don't know, I really, um, yeah, I really enjoyed them. I really loved them. Like, there's one film that I always return to. People might think, oh, my God, that's enough. Although I don't know what they'd think. But um, but it's uh, it's called Une Femme Francaise. It's Emmanuelle Béat, the lead actress in it. And I think I probably fell in love with her. <laughs> After watching um, Manon de Seuss, I I just think she's just... I think it was actually just watching French films in general, definitely, because they inspired me to want to act. So it's not just one necessarily thing. It's it's actually the performances, and they're probably all women. So um, Juliette Binoche in Blue, the Three Colours trilogy, and then Jean Moreau in... um, Jules A. Jim, I was just like, what this woman is these women are just enjoying themselves. They're playing they're playing around, but they're getting paid to play around. <laughs> and it looks and it looks amazing. And they're creating something really natural and they're moving me and I'm laughing with them and I'm crying with them. 
it just feels real and yeah that definitely was the, ter- the turning point where I was like I want to do what they're doing. piece of art that you can think of off the cuff that you might not have loved as much as a French film but that you think has value so it could be a guilty pleasure it could be a movie that you saw and walked out and thought you hated but you found yourself thinking about it a year later um well yeah I have guilty pleasures and that I can answer I mean I've <laughs> I have to say, I do watch Emmerdale, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and um, I think it because it reminds me of, like, the Dales, obviously, in Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I actually think... <laughs> quite a few people have disagreed with me. Some of the acting... She recently had a conversation with somebody and they were like, what? The acting is so bad! And I was like, no, I don't... I actually think some of the actors are really good. And I think... My thing about soap actors, I think there's always that, there's a stigma. And there's, even like at my drama school, I remember I was going out with a, a guy at my drama school and he made a comment about the soaps and being like, oh God, I'd never do the soaps. Like, fuck, that's, that's not acting. But I have to say, like, I have a lot of respect for soap actors because they don't have long with those scripts. Mm-hmm. And for them to create something from what's on that page, especially when that say oh, I don't know high stakes or very emotive scenes mm-hmm. those individuals that do it well and do it believably I think are brilliant actors like I, I think drama school students shouldn't be snobby about these things because I think they work darn hard it's not easy and yeah. I know I would you know <laughs> the episodes you know of, of, of Don Corey and stuff and it's it's fast and you've got to hit it and uh and t- at times I'm like oh my god that was clear that was shit but it's like oh my god we're not going again we're not going again <laughs> it's like that was really bad but you know so you don't have that luxury um that you might have on a tv drama where you can do several takes different yeah. angles you know different yeah. setups and it's like a multi-camera yeah thing. and you have the space you have a director that's happy to give you the space to sort of maybe get in it or warm up you, there's nothing no no time to do that on a soap so I, I think it's a great learning ground for actors and amazing if you manage to get that gig straight after drama school fantastic mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you can you can learn so much and just and veterans that have been doing it for years and you can learn so much from them. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not so snobby. <laughs> I'm, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm snobby about some of them, <laughs> but not not about Emmerdale. No, no, I'm joking. But not about Emmerdale. <laughs> I'll defend Emmerdale. <laughs> Brilliant answer. Thank you, Rod. Um, and is there an artist that you'd like to nominate people to check out who we may not know about so for example Sita said you well these are friends of mine but I think they're great and um, actually some you know um, actually they have shows on at the moment so it might be interesting to watch their stuff and also talk to them about their work but one girl is and we talked about soaps actually interesting Kelly Shirley and she started off in EastEnders 
but she's uh, um, in a show that my sister writes for um, in the long run, um, set in the 80s. It's Idris Elba, is, it's his show. Um, yeah, you should check out Kelly Shirley. She's lovely and she's a great actress. Another <laughs> actress called um, Manjin Verk. You probably recognise her again. She's She did a film that is one of my all-time favourites. Complete. Check out this film, The Arbour. Um, and it's about um, a playwright, um, Andrea, Dar- Andrea Dunbar. <laughs> um, yeah, she was a northerner from Bradford, I think. I think, yeah, she grew up in a Bradford housing um, estate. And um, it's just... It's just a very it's it's done by a director called Clio Bernard and it's just very clever. It's you have to watch it. I don't want to say anything because it's it's like an experience and Manjinda is so good in it. She plays Andrea's daughter, I think, I believe. Yeah, you need to check out Manjinda Verk's work and she's also recently done a film, um 23 days um which she directed all done um with help from with a female team i believe uh like a production uh, producer and an editor etc etc but all done during covid and it's about um covid it's about a guy um who caught covid and has and um fortunately recovered from it but it's so beautiful and also you should definitely watch that film and definitely talk to her because she's yeah, she's a brilliant actress. She's done lots of wonderful work and she's a lovely human being. Um, an actress called um, Anjali Mohindra. Yeah, she's fantastic. I don't know if you, um, if you've seen her work in... Um, did you see The Bodyguard? Yeah. I did, yeah. Um, and she's Doctor Who and I just think there's something... She's really watchable. Maybe she has a similar effect to like it when I watch Emmanuel Bart. Like, like she makes it look so simple, but you know it's not that simple. But also she makes it look so beautiful, and she. Uh, so I did an acting workshop with her recently, and I got to see her work in action, and I just was like, wow, she's amazing. The latest season of Top Boy can be seen on Netflix. Make sure you follow Rhoda on her Instagram at Rhoda Oforiata. That's R-H-O-D-A dot O-F-O-R-I-A-T-T-A-H. And for more information about her work, do check out her IMDb page. If you want to learn more about the BAFTA Elevate program, go to the website and click on How We Support Talent. Everything will be in the show notes. Well, that's it. Not just for this episode, but for the first season of Movers, Shakers, Makers. Thank you so much to all my guests this season. Zoe Ash-Brown, Sita Patel, Guy Hoare, Gabriela Munoz, Zachary Manista, and of course, Rhoda. Please do go back through the season and listen to the other interviews if this was the first one you've heard. They are all fascinating artists doing very different, interesting work. I'll be back for more artist chats very soon. Thanks for listening. Okay, closing credits. This has been a Makeshift Company production. Follow us on Instagram at Makeshift Company or check out our website makeshiftcompany.com where there is a link to the podcast website for show notes. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you listen. Also, if you rate and review the show, it would be most appreciated. Thanks for listening. And now from the cutting room floor, I give you...
think maybe my parents were thrilled that I wasn't <laughs> causing them oh mate causing them much trouble and just heading off to Leeds Library and getting all these foreign films. But then I think they might have been like, What what is wrong with her? <laughs> like <laughs> sat in the living room watching on VHS these French films and they're like, What 